This is the Used Car Dealer Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. It's the Used Car Dealer Podcast, episode 15. This is Zach here, and we have a great guest today, Charlie Chesbero. He's the senior economist at Cox Automotive. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the Used Car Dealer Podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Great. And for those listening, they might be wondering, what exactly does an economist do at Cox Automotive? And how do you become an automotive-focused economist? Well, boy, uh, what one does at Cox Automotive is uh, I'm involved a lot with our economics team. We have a whole industry insights team that's focused on looking at how does the broader economy uh, impact the automotive market for both new vehicles as well as used vehicles, and what does all that mean for our internal clients, uh, you know, within our, our long-term planning and, and strategy groups, uh, as well as for our clients and what it may mean in terms of their, their product portfolios or their own strategies that they may have going on. Uh, so we, we kind of monitor the marketplace. We monitor the vehicle marketplaces. Uh, we develop forecasts as to where we think uh, the, the industry is going and, and sales and and certain uh, uh, different uh, segments of the market. Uh, and then we try to tell stories to our, our clients internally and externally uh, as to what we see going on in the marketplace and, and you know, how we can help uh, essentially help them better understand what the metrics are telling us in the marketplace. And then how do we get here? Well, uh, you, you go to a lot of schools. I went to Michigan State uh, for economics uh, a long time ago and then the University of Illinois in Chicago for my master's degree in economics. and. I've uh, been working for a number of companies uh, uh, as an automotive economist since then, uh, spent some time at Ford and, and IHS, and I've been with Cox Automotive for a number of years. And uh, the, the exciting thing about Cox is, is that uh, we're a relatively big player in the automotive industry uh, that a lot of folks don't really know about. I, I'm based in the Detroit area, and I would say that Cox Automotive isn't that well known up here, uh, hmm. But we are involved in, in almost every aspect of the, of the automotive industry once that vehicle is made. And uh, we, we have our hands, uh, uh, the ability to look at all kinds of really interesting data as to what's going on in both the new and used markets. And what's been your view of like the dramatic changes in the economy from like COVID-19 when it kind of first started in America around March to where we are today in terms of the auto industry? Well, boy, we could spend the we could spend the whole show on just that question. I mean, that we've seen so many moving parts uh, since all of this started to happen around mid March. Uh, I guess one of the one of the interesting things that we saw in the in the data is massive changes uh, in vehicle sales across the country, and we could really monitor the geographical uh, implications of the COVID shutdowns. And, and clearly, you could see that. Uh, governors shutting down the markets uh, on the East Coast, as well as in California and the state of Washington, uh, that the dealers were unable to even sell vehicles uh, uh, right. in, in many markets. And, and so we saw huge drops in, in retail activity. And as a result of that, the markets that were open at that time uh, in the South and the South, South Southeast part of the country, uh, they, they saw massive increases in their market share and their share of the industry's activity. Uh, but then once the governors reopened, uh, these markets, you know, later in April and early May, we saw a complete reversal that these markets that were closed before now started to really sell like crazy as vehicles, vehicle sales really took off. And the markets that were open actually saw sales kind of stagnate a bit. And uh, 
the COVID virus uh, started to have some implications for them. So we've been seeing that real changes in sort of manufacturer sales and product sales around the country, but behind the scenes of everything we're looking at, looking at the, these geographical uh, uh, shocks that we've had to the marketplace because of government policy as well as this virus uh, have really been changing things quite a bit. So that's one of the interesting things that we've been seeing uh, as a result of this virus. But in terms of uh, what, what we've seen uh, in the market uh, more recently, uh, as I think everyone has been very, very surprised at how quickly vehicle sales uh, have come back. And I know uh, the very early stages of all of this, and we saw the job losses that were piling up in, in, uh, uh, in April and, and, and into May and over the summer, we were all like, oh my gosh, you know, this, this is going to be a really massive economic hit. Uh, vehicle sales are just going to you know, drop out. But we saw rather quickly that once vehicle sales were allowed to be sold again, uh, and really probably the month of May was when we can really start mm -hmm. to see the numbers uh, improve, uh, retail sales actually came back quite strongly. And, and consumers, on, on, a, on an annualized basis, retail sales in both new and used is really down just a little bit. And uh, uh, it was really surprising to see that consumers were so eager to get their hands on vehicles, even in, in the depths of the recession uh, and, the, and the virus itself. And uh, I think that says a lot about the product. You know, people really need transportation. They want transportation. Uh, maybe in a pandemic, we've learned that vehicles become uh, uh, a necessary good rather than sort of a luxury good or a nice to have good. Uh, and so I think that's one of the things that we've maybe seen uh, during this pandemic. But we also know uh, that the government stimulus of a couple trillion dollars uh, that right. was injected into the economy certainly had a huge uh, implications for our industry in helping to get vehicle sales back on track. Uh, and that's one of our concerns going here into the fourth quarter here is that that stimulus happened a long time ago now and uh, it's not looking good for us getting another one. And so this economy could stall. And that's that's one of the things we're concerned about. And talk to me about the interest rates, because now we're seeing like 84 month terms and things that we weren't seeing previously, kind of in this stimulus driven um, Corona economy, if you will. Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, we've seen uh, in terms in terms of a, of a strategy that was employed when this pandemic hit is a lot of manufacturers went to low interest rate financing, zero percent offers were, were thrown out there uh, in late March and, and into April. And uh, uh, we also saw the introduction of 84-month financing, and that really is a relatively new uh, term, uh, you know, that, that we hadn't had here in the U.S. market before, you know, seven years uh, <laughs> uh, on a loan. Uh, it's fairly popular up in Canada. I've heard somewhere in the neighborhood of a third or 30% of, of retail activity does have these long loan terms. Uh, that may be one of the things we see emerge from this pandemic is that long loan terms become much more popular uh, you know, 72, 84 month, uh, and who knows, maybe we're going to see even longer uh, as, as this vehicle quality uh, improves in, in coming years. Uh, but that's certainly been one of the, the factors that has been a big plus, I think, for vehicle sales during the depths of this pandemic uh, is that the, the move to these 84 month terms uh, allowed in, uh, monthly payments to make a huge downward shift. You know, you were able to mm -hmm. knock a, a big chunk off a monthly payment. If you're, if you had a loan, you know, paying a, a, just a small percentage rate for 72 months, and all of a sudden you could get, you know, zero for 84, you could knock a hundred dollars off your monthly payment very easily and, and end up with a brand new vehicle. And, uh, and so I think that was sort of a real shock that did in, inject something in the market. But uh, we've seen 
the manufacturers in general have backed away a little bit from, from those aggressive offers in the early days. Uh, but certainly interest rates, uh, uh, long-term lo uh, long terms, as well as uh, the Savine interest rates certainly did have an impact on the market. And I, th I think we're going to see more of that continue going forward as well. And are they doing 84 months on both new and used inventory? No, not not used. Uh, uh, you know, generally, I would say in the used market, you're looking, you know, at max, a, a, you know, a four-year uh, loan, uh, you know, maybe some fives. Uh, but uh, no, in the in the, uh, in the new market is really where you're going to get the, the very long loan terms. So we've heard from some dealers that there are consumers who are not you know, paying their monthly car notes. Like, what have you seen from the lens of an economist in terms of consumers and repo rates or, you know, failure to pay their um, car notes? Yeah, that was certainly one of the early concerns that we had uh, when all of this was hitting the fan back in March was, well, boy, a lot of folks are out of work, you know, 30, 40 million right. people instantly unemployed. Uh, you know, that's that's a lot of car payments that aren't going to get made. Uh, but we really haven't seen that spike in the data just yet. We are starting to see uh, maybe a little bit, on, uh, you know, as we get further out from that loan package. But a lot of the actions that Congress took in the early days of this virus with the big bailouts and the uh, uh, extending unemployment benefits and increasing unemployment benefits, uh, as well as accommodations made by many banks and lenders to, to help folks kind of keep their vehicles, keep their homes. Uh, all of that activity we think has been successful in sort of uh, keeping repos from, from getting out of hand. But again, as we end, start going into this fourth quarter, that is one of the items that we're going to be watching is that do we see that? Uh, uh, the other inter interesting thing we're seeing in the data is that uh, uh, interest rates for uh, lower FICO score credit customers, your, uh, mm -hmm. your subprime borrowers, has actually been going up, even though we've seen other interest rates going down. Interesting. Uh, and subprime share of the market has been in declining quite a bit in recent months. Uh, so the market's kind of moving a little bit further away from uh, affordability, at least for those that are on the margins uh, of, of their credit quality. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this year is the first year since World War II where new car auto manufacturers have stopped production for a period of time. And that's had an impact on the 2020 models. Any commentary around that halt in production earlier in the year and its impact on the automotive ecosystem? Yeah, it's been one of the, uh, it's created one of the issues that the industry is dealing with now, which is a shortage of inventory. And uh, essentially the factories uh, in North America, uh, you know, if not the factory itself, the supply chain to it, uh, everything pretty much came to a halt uh, uh, for the months of April and much of May. And the industry got behind uh, about 3.3 million units, I think, or somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, in terms of production for those two months that, that not much was getting done. And yet vehicle sales, as I mentioned before, was actually coming back fairly strong, uh, fairly strongly. And, and uh, the, the shelves got picked bare. Uh, uh, you know, they, they were going off, they were selling the vehicles more quickly than they could get them back in. And now we're in a situation where the industry does have relatively a weak day supply, certainly below levels we were at at this period last year. And, uh, you know, one of the concerns we have, again, going into the fourth quarter is, uh, you know, do, do dealers have the right inventory, you know, the right color, the right trim package that everybody wants, 
uh, or you know has have things been you know deteriorated uh, in terms of product availability that uh, it may c cause some customers to wait if they can't get exactly what they want. Uh, and then the other question we have is essentially the whole model year rollover process. Uh, generally, in the uh, in the falls when we begin the the process of getting rid right. of the old products and introducing the new the new products. You know, this year the old 2020s we want to get rid of them all. And we want to start reintroducing the model year 2021s. Uh, and it's changed, you know, companies introduce products all year long now, but it, there is still an emphasis sort of to do that here in the fall. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're, we're not seeing that there's near as many uh, model year 2021s in the market this year as we had 2020s last year. Uh, and so there's just not as much new product out there as well. And so uh, the fourth quarter is a big period for the luxury market. Uh, we know a lot of folks come out looking for a new lease because there's a lot of luxury leasing that occurs during that period. It may be that there's not going to be a whole lot of uh, model year 2021s, the very latest and greatest product out there uh, for consumers. And that may be a bit surprising uh, for, for many uh, shoppers out there. Uh, again, we don't know whether that's going to uh, hold back vehicle sales, but it, it would suggest it's, it's just another headwind that the industry has to deal with. But we see that this inventory situation is likely to continue through much of the fourth quarter. Uh, thus far, it doesn't appear to be holding back vehicle sales. They see, still seem to be doing, uh, you know, quite well. Uh, but it, but it just it does add just another layer of complication for an already uh, a complicated market. And what's been the impact on lease returns? I know, like for a point in time, it might have not even been possible for consumers to return their lease. For instance, if they were in a state where their dealership was not operating due to the Corona pandemic restrictions, what have you seen in that area? Well, we did see a period early on that uh, there was quite a bit of concern uh, in the early days of the pandemic that. Uh, uh, these lease returns were, were going to come back and nobody wanted these vehicles. Like everyone was in a state of shock. Like, well, don't, you know, don't bring back this, your off lease vehicle. Cause I don't want it. I can't take it. I, uh, you know, the industry was really kind of apprehensive about what to do with these vehicles. We, cause the whole market had kind of come to a halt for a few days. Uh, and there was a lot of panic around that. And, and a lot of manufacturers uh, in order to kind of mitigate that, that risk, uh, we're asking many folks to just keep their vehicles for a few extra months. Uh, you know, don't don't bring in that off-lease vehicle just yet. But we're, that's kind of moved past. We've kind of uh, moved past that stage. So we're back in sort of the normal off-lease program. The fall, again, as I mentioned before, is a big period for, for many folks when their leases do uh, expire and they're coming back to renew that lease. Uh, you know, our expectation is, is that, you know, leasing is down on a year-over-year -year basis, but that customer segment, uh, the the, per, the people who do lease a new vehicle, um, they're probably not, not suffering too badly as a result of this recession. They're generally a higher mm -hmm. income person, higher credit score person. Uh, and our guess is, is that they haven't been in the crosshairs of the job losses of this recession. So that we may see sort of this off-lease activity in Q4 actually do quite well uh, just because those customers in large part uh, uh, have held up well. So this summer, we saw basically peak wholesale pricing. We were hearing from dealers that in some cases, the price of a used vehicle might be very close to what that new counterpart was. And I'm curious, what sort of anecdotes or interesting observations did you have this summer in that kind of used car frenzy and when wholesale pricing was higher than ever before? 
Yeah, and I th well, I think in a lot of that we can attribute again to that stimulus uh, uh, spending that we got from the government, that, that extra money that was injected into the economy. A lot of folks said, you know what, I wanna go out and get some new, some new wheels. Uh, and we know that the new vehicle market has, does, has I, wanna, I don't wanna say abandoned, but they uh, have certainly backed away from the lower priced products on the new vehicle side. And there really isn't a lot to shop for under $30,000 anymore. Uh, in the new product side, particularly if you're looking for a crossover. And, mm -hmm. and so there's just a lot more to choose from in the used side. And I think we saw sort of the, in the early days of the recovery period that uh, people realized what a, what a, a whole uh, you know, a buffet of vehicles to choose from in the used market and all stuff that I can afford. I mean, it's all sort of in, in that affordability range, uh, you, know, you know, in that $20,000-ish uh, area. And so I think we just saw a lot of activity and uh, it, it really, you know, it was really quite interesting to see the vehicle prices take off so rapidly. And, uh, and we know that we, we've heard great stories from dealers that it was a very profitable summer that they did very, very well. Uh, but I will say that we kind of see going forward, it's going to be more of a challenge that uh, the inventory levels have been, have been drawn down quite a bit on the used vehicle side. Uh, there's just not quite as many of these as there was before. Uh, a lot of the normal supply to the used vehicle market of, uh, of fleet uh, uh, companies kind of re mm -hmm. rejuvenating their, their fleets and sort of getting rid of old product and, and getting a new product uh, from, the, from the new vehicle market. You know, that's been put on hold. People trading in their, their, their new vehicle or their, their old vehicle to get a new vehicle. That's been kind of uh, slowed down uh, as well as repossessions and all of that, as I mentioned before, also being uh, delayed. Uh, so we are seeing that there isn't a whole lot of new, uh, a new used supply. And uh, so those inventories have been, have been drawn down. Uh, but demand does remain quite high. And we're seeing vehicle prices uh, out there still remain very, very elevated in the used vehicle market. Uh, but our guess is, is that that's going to start to change as well uh, as, the, as the supply uh, kind of comes down, as well as we get into the late stages of this, uh, of this pandemic and, and the, the stimulus checks that we got if we don't get that other uh, stimulus check from, from the government here in the fourth quarter, which, which Congress has been debating here in over recent days, right. uh, that could have a big impact on, on these used vehicle sales because folks just aren't going to have the money to, to continue the, the great run that we've had so far. So what does economic outlook look like from the automotive perspective as we finish out 2020 and into early 2021? Well, boy, I, it just seems like there's going to be a lot of uncertainty and that that's the one thing to mm -hmm. be certain of, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I guess it's the old uh, Boy Scout adage, uh, you know, hope for the best, plan for the worst. Uh, you know, at this point, the economy uh, has, I think everybody feels like it's held up very, very well. Uh, uh, the economy has come back from a, an incredible shock. Uh, but it's now settling in down at about, a you know, an 80% economy. You know, it's not it's not back to where it was before. And it seems unlikely that the economy is going to get back to a hundred percent levels until we figure out something about this virus. It's just, it's, uh, it's just going to keep everything a little bit suppressed. And, uh, and so that's a new reality that I think folks are going to have to adjust to. And so as we go forward, I think it's going to be a little bit of a malaise for the market. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, but our general guess is, is that we're just going to continue on the upward recovery path. It's just going to be a slow recovery. We're not, we're not expecting to see a V-shaped uh, market recovery uh, where everything's back to normal 
you know, in 2021, we, we think it's, we're looking more 2023 ish till we're really going to wow. start talking about the market getting back to where we all hope it, it will be. And what are your thoughts on some of these new models? Like for instance, online used car dealers or online auto auctions? Uh, well, I, I, you know, I, I think anything that's focused on digital activity is probably doing fairly well during this pandemic. And I think if, if there's any kind of lesson that we can take out of, out of the, uh, the pandemic is that we, uh, it, it does seem like dealers that have been focused on doing digital transactions, uh, uh, more focused on uh, uh, sales, uh, where as much of the transaction can be done digitally and not as much face-to-face -face contact with consumers. I think that is something that was relatively new for the industry, and I think it's something that we're going to see uh, much more of going forward. So, you know, all these digital online uh, companies, uh, you know, I think online is where our industry is headed uh, in every aspect and in, in everything that we're doing, uh, which is always surprising to me because I'm old school Detroit. You know, I can't imagine buying yeah. a vehicle without going out and kicking the tires, but uh, uh, consumers are, are getting more and more uh, comfortable with that. And so I think that's a trend that we're going to see continue. And what are your thoughts on used car leasing and the subscription model, whereas it's more as like month to month versus like a traditional 24 month or 36 month lease? I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity in subscription. You know, if, if someone can kind of crack that code and figure out how to make it work, uh, really the basic premise is, is that a, a dealer or, or some company or individual uh, could uh, could buy that vehicle at a much lower interest rate than the customer that they would be subscribing to could possibly get. And, you know, there's a large portion of the market out there that's paying double digit interest rates when they buy a vehicle. Uh, you know, if a dealer, for example, could could finance a, a three or a five year old vehicle uh, at a three or a four percent interest rate, and be subscribing that out uh, uh, to, to folks who would normally pay a 15% interest rate, uh, there's got to be a way to capture that margin as well as, uh, you know, the cost savings that there may be for, you know, providing service of that vehicle within the dealership uh, uh, and the ability to, to, you know, sell that vehicle whenever is necessary. Uh, you know, I, th I think that there's real opportunity in, in subscription. I think that's an area we're going to hear much more about here in coming years, particularly given uh, the, uh, the the price of vehicles these days, I think it's just going to get more and more expensive and we're going to have to come up with creative ways to help folks figure out how to afford these, uh, these vehicles. And my last question, and this is more of kind of a futures type question, what excites you, whether it's something that Cox Automotive is working on, something that you're seeing trend-wise in the economy about the future? Because we've been talking about Corona so much, and that's kind of a downer for a lot of people. But what's exciting that's kind of coming down the pipeline in terms of innovation in the auto industry or kind of unique economic insights that you have? Yeah, well, if, you know, if I, if I had to choose one, it might be an obvious one, but I think that the electrification that is coming, I think, is very, very exciting for the industry. And I, and I, you know, I know there's a lot of doubting Thomases out there. I, I often include myself in them that consumers are not going to go for these electric vehicles. Uh, you know, there's no charging stations. You know, you could, there's a, a litany of things you could come up with mm -hmm. about why the, this isn't going to work. But I think the world is deciding it's going to go there. And I think we as a country have to figure out that, that at least we have a large portion of our fleet that way or else we're just not going to be participating uh, with the rest of the world. 
and, and I think that limits our ability to sell products. So I think it's important that we that we do participate. Uh, and I think that what the products that are going to be coming here in the next couple of years, Rivian's going to have products out here in 2021. Uh, you know, Tesla's an incredibly exciting company, uh, and there's a whole bunch more of, of new electric companies that are coming. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of new and exciting products out there that consumers haven't seen before. And uh, you know, for folks that are fans of of cars and 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 the whole history of the automotive industry, uh, I think we're about to enter one of the most exciting and innovative times that the industry's ever had. Uh, in terms of the of the products that are going to be coming here in the next couple of years. Well said. And Charlie, I appreciate you so much for coming on the Used Car Dealer podcast today. And you've had some really interesting perspectives on the industry. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to do it. <laughs>